Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. So last week we talked about God's family plan, God's family plan, and what it looks like to have uh, a biblical family, a biblical marriage, and um, it's an important subject, something we need to talk about, and uh, and um, certainly things that I need to say, and so you know. Um, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to say some stuff that might cause you to have to take your blood pressure medication and check your, check your pulse, your spouse's pulse once in a while. But there's things that I, that I need to say, I have to say, and uh, it's important that I do, and I'm going to be as, as tactful and as straightforward as I can possibly be. But um, I don't think there's a ton of value in beating around the bush. I, I kind of like to be direct if I can. So, you know, bear with me, buckle up. Um, take a deep breath. <laughs> Here we go. So, just a little bit of um, just a little bit of uh, recap uh, about um, about biblical marriage. Uh, it, it's clear from Scripture: marriage only works between a man and a woman, a biological male and a biological female. It's the only way it works. Uh, it doesn't matter how society redefines it, or what people say, or science they come up with. It doesn't matter. It it only works biologically. Biological male, biological female. That's how God designed it. Male and female, he created them. Amen? Everybody okay? So it's stuff we have, to, we have to talk about, we have to say, because the world's trying to get us to change our definition of what love is, of what marriage is, and God's not going to change. And we said this last week, if God had to upgrade what he wrote, that would mean that in some way, shape, or form, God learned something new, and now he has, a, he has, to, he has to release a new version, right? A bug-free we fixed the bugs. We worked out the viruses in the system. Here's 2.0. Now we got it. And God's never going to do that. He's never going to do that. He got it right the first time. Amen? And so if, if the species, the humankind species is going to live on, marriage has to be between a man and a woman. I mean, that's the only way it works. Men do not have babies. Women have babies. And women don't have babies without men. Okay. All right? That only happened one time, and it was written down for us. Right? So... This is how we, this is how, you know, life goes on. And uh, if we do it God's way, there's blessing, there's covenant, there's provision, there's help, there's strength, there's power, there's unity, there's commitment, there's covenant. When we do it God's way, all the blessings come into play in God's way of doing things. Just plain and simple, straightforward. If we do it God's way, it works. It works. If we try to twist it into the world's way, it causes havoc, division, chaos, problems, on and on and on and on and on. Amen. Uh, we could we could make we could cite tons of examples of how this doesn't work. But just history in and of itself has proven to us that if a society allows the moral decline of the family unit in marriage specifically, in sexual promiscuity or immorality, the society will collapse. It will happen. It's happened many times before. But when we when we keep it God's way, it works good. Amen. Buddy, okay. So um, we talked about Genesis chapter 2, how uh, Adam was naming all the creatures, and God was trying to find a, a helper that was comparable to him. And so he 
created all the creatures. And God brought them to Adam, and Adam named them all. And I mean, this, we're talking days and days and days of naming creatures and animals and critters, right? Just, but he named them all. But there was none that was found that was compatible to him, comparable to him. And then God put Adam asleep, took a rib from his side, and then created, whoa, man, right? You remember that? And, and in that scripture, Adam says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. But in the Greek, it's much simpler than that. He basically says, this is it. What God just brought to me, this woman, this is it. And you got to understand, ladies, as far as creation goes, you were the last thing God created. So he was done. He's like, I got it. We're done. We're done. I fixed it. I got it all. Don't let that go to your head. <laughs> but you were the last thing God created. And, and Adam said, yep, that's it. That's it right there. God made it right. Amen. And he put us together on purpose. And that's important. We said last week that relationships, the relationships that seem to make it long-term are those that are personally mature, those people that take personal responsibility in their relationships. They're not blame-gaming, right? They're, they are taking personal responsibility. They're personally, personally mature to handle the, I'm sorry, I messed up. I could have said that better. I could have done that better. Those are the relationships and the couples that seem to make it. The fussing and the fuming and the fighting uh, kind of just goes to the wayside. When you're willing even if you feel like you're right, you're willing to acquiesce. You're willing to, to back off your point to say, I would rather have unity in my marriage than come to contention over this. Amen? Yeah. Those are the relationships that are personally mature, that ha take on personal responsibility, have grown in the things of God. Those are the ones that seem to make it. Amen? And so if you want to have a marriage that lasts and makes it and thrives, not just survives, but thrives, then we're going to have to get to that place as individuals. Everybody okay with that? Yeah. I know that's just straight right between the eyes. But that's some, most of the time, our problems are not uh, at the other side of the table. They're usually on the other side of the mirror. Okay. Thank you, Lord. I talked a little bit about dating last week. And, and I'm going to mention it again. Dating overall in the Bible is not a biblical plan of God you know, getting, getting with people and dating this and spending a whole bunch of time together and, and then now that's not working out and then I'm going to go spend a whole bunch of time with somebody else. And it, this especially, let me, I want to clarify, I want to make sure everybody understands what I'm saying because there's a few faces that were here that were here last week and, you know, I don't know why they're not, but I want to say some stuff. <laughs> um, dating is not, a, it's not a biblical standard. It's a, it's a modern cultural standard. And I, I do think you should probably get to know the person you're going to marry. However, the traditional version of dating, like you go off alone by yourself over to his place, over to her place, out for long periods of time with no supervision or accountability is not smart thinking. All right, three amens and a couple of head nods. It's just, we have all been there where we have gone down roads. We weren't super happy. We went down roads. And I'm telling you, it's not God's plan and design. And so, you know, I don't know if we're going to get to the SEX topic today. You know, we, we may save that for next week. It's in the notes, but it's the last page. So we may not get there. <laughs> but, but that just means it's happening next week. So just buckle up. And I'm paying attention to who's here and who's not next week right now. Just taking a little snapshot. But there, there's just, there's something about doing it God's way. And, and finding out who these people are that you're, that you're seriously considering spending the rest of your life with, you need to do it around other people because they need to get a sense of who you 
are saying yes to you. The, the, the people that you like, love, and trust the most need to have these people that you're about to commit your whole life to around so that they can get a good look at them. And I tell this to my girls, and I told you this last week, father of three girls, I'm 100% arranged for arranged marriage. I'm totally good with that. But I do tell him, I, I tell him, if you're going to find a boy and you like him, you got to bring him around. He has to be in my house. I got to look this kid in the eye. Mama has to get a sense for who this guy is because we'll pick stuff up from the Lord for our children. Your friends will get stuff and they'll, come on, you have all been there. You've either been the friend that has told the friend, mm, I don't think, I don't think this guy's very good for you. I don't think this girl, I don't think she's right. And we, what do we say? Ah, you don't know him like I know him. I've spent time with him. I, I know his heart. He's got a good heart. He may not have a good heart at all. So, so when we're teaching these young ones how to be countercultural and who they're going to date and marry, we got to be very, very firm on what we believe. I mean, we, we want to, as parents, we want to know the dude that our daughter's going to pick. We want to know this guy. He's got to come around. Amen? So, so don't, don't misunderstand me that I'm, when I say I'm for arranged marriage, uh, marriages, I'm a little bit tongue-in-cheek, half-joking, mostly not joking. But, <laughs> but when I say I'm for that, I'm still okay with them getting to know each other, talking, you know, but you, you can do all that in a setting where there's people within eyeshot. You can have private conversations that you would have with somebody that you're going to ask specifics about their life and, and, you know, where do you see us in five years and what's your career goals and, you know, do you love Jesus and, you know, what about church and how do we raise the kid? You can have all those conversations while mama's sitting right over there. Are you hearing me? It keeps you out of trouble. Okay. Um. You know, some cultures, the, the marriages are your friends, you're engaged, you're married. Like, there's not this long, drawn-out time where you're not, you're not in covenant, you're not married, and you're spending lots of time together alone. I mean, for thousands of years, this has been a very restricted part of getting together in marriages. They, it was faux pas, not okay, to be off alone with the opposite sex when you weren't married. I mean, you could get stoned in some cultures. Amen. I'm not advocating for stoning. Back to arranged marriages. I'm okay with that. Is he talking about stoning? Yeah. I'm telling you, it happens. It's okay to get to know people in groups. That accountability is very important. As an adult, as a grown man, you should have accountability. If you're dating somebody and you're thinking about marriage, you should have accountability. I don't care if you're 40, 50, 60 years old. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Be smart about this. <clears throat> Way too much emphasis is put on the physical part of the relationship. And I, I agree, it's important. Way too much emphasis is put on it. I mean, I've heard people tell me, oh, it's half the relationship. It should not be half of your relationship, the physical intimacy side. That was really quiet. It should not be. <laughs> We're going to get into it. It's the last page. I told you, you have to come back next week and listen to what I have to say about sex and what the Bible has to say about sex. Because I'm not sure we're going to get there because we're still in the intro. Everybody okay? Okay. Turn over to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Stuff you need to hear from your pastor. Stuff you need to hear from the pulpit. Things you need to hear from your parents. 
leaders around you, these are things that need to be talked about and said out loud, not in hushed tones so that the culture can't hear you. The culture is AWOL right now. They are off the rails. They have no idea what they're doing. That's why as believers, we don't take advice from people that are not in the kingdom. Unbelieving people do not know how to act like believers. There are few and far between instances where you should take any advice from somebody that does not call Jesus Lord. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh, so that they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. This this idea of coming together and being one flesh is God's idea. But he uses specific language in here when he says the two shall become one flesh, not one spirit. There are Christian circles that talk about when you get married, you become one spirit. No, you are still separate spirits. When you are joined to Christ, you become one spirit with the Lord. That means it's, it's a mystery that we may never understand on this planet, but we will when we step over into eternity. And we'll understand how God uh, infused us with Christ, his very nature and the likeness of who Jesus is with us, our spirit, to make us the righteousness of God in Christ when we say yes to Jesus. That is an amazing mystery. But when he's talking about joining together uh, and a marriage union, union and coming together, the two shall become one flesh. That means you're joining and you're intermingling your lives together. You're no longer separate and doing your own thing. You are now coming together and committing to doing life together. And that is bonded in the marriage part of getting married, of coming together in intimacy. So this is why we got to protect this part of our marriage. We got to protect this part outside of marriage, protect it. Because when you, when you do have intimacy with somebody else, you are joining with them. Now, God's not calling that marriage, but there is a joining. You're giving a part of yourself to somebody else. And the world does this all over the, all over the place so that people are so fragmented because they've, they've literally chipped pieces of themselves off to just random strangers, people they don't know, relationships, dating, fiancés, and then not and then marriage after marriage after, I mean, they're just, they're just chipping away. And God wants us to come together and join together and make it a union that lasts, that sticks, so that we do life together. So if God's version for us is to come together and be one and do life together, then the enemy's version of us is to, to come together and then do life separate, have division, have, have separation of lots of things. And this is true about marriages that flounder is that they just never really find the ways to connect and do things together. And they live totally separate lives. Just even the idea of raising kids. So you got to be careful of this when you're raising kids. If you put all your focus and attention in raising the kids, when the kids are grown and gone, it's like you've forgotten about the relationship that was the most important was with your spouse. You guys ever heard of this, empty nesters? And then they just like, well, we don't like each other anymore. We don't have anything that joined us together anymore because they left the house. So now we're just gonna, we're gonna separate. It happens, doesn't it? There's something about doing life together, getting along together, finding things. So if you're single and you're, you're looking for somebody to share your life with, you need to find things that are somebody that you're compatible with, things that you can agree on and you like to do together. Because if you have nothing in common, 
you have, you have to work that much harder to find things in common. I'm not saying you're a lost cause. I'm saying you got to work that much harder to find things you can do together. It's important that we live our lives together. Amen? Amen. It's God's plan. It's his plan. <clears throat> so if this is a oneness that God talks about, this two becoming one flesh, then we should not be thinking oneness, this physical oneness until we're married, until we're in that covenant relationship. Yeah. Now listen, this is not condemnation. You got to hear my heart. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm not trying to bring any condemnation on th- things you've done in the past, things you're doing now, or things you're thinking about doing in the future. I'm, I'm getting you to think about maybe we should do things differently and let God be God. Amen. Amen. He is so merciful to us when we make mistakes. And I am so, so grateful for that. So there's no condemnation in this house. If the Holy Spirit's talking to you about making changes, you need to listen to him because that's not condemnation. That's conviction of the Holy Spirit to, to help you make changes. Amen. That's, a, that's an okay thing. We all want that. But you got to understand, if I don't tell this straight, then people keep living their lives and wonder why things aren't going well. They keep bumping into problems and hurdles, and why is this a mess, and why, why are we not meshing together? Why is it? It's because you're doing it the world's way, not God's way. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Marriage is God's idea. It's not a government idea. It's not an institution. It's God's way of family, a man and a woman coming together in covenant before God, building a life together, following Jesus. Amen. Is it hot in here or is it just me? Is it just the subject? Is that what it is? <laughs> Can somebody check that thermostat and just make sure it's on? We got to just, you know, turn it on. Okay, thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Therefore, God has joined together. Let no man separate. That is a, a unique uh, wordage and verbiage there because it really brings, it boils down to this word welding, welding together. I mean, it, just in the natural, when you weld steel together and you do it the correct way, it is extremely strong. I mean, we're talking bridges, buildings, you know, vehicles, ships. These things are welded together. When God's talking about welding that union, it is an unbreakable bond. If you weld correctly, then the, where the break happens is not in the joint. It's somewhere else. And a welder will tell you this, but this is, this is the terminology. And this welding, this coming together is through covenants. It does happen through intimacy and through sex, intermingling our lives together. We become one. It's so important that husbands and wives understand this. Amen. Our culture has been so watered down in marriage that we treat marriage like dating. We're acting married without covenants. People are living together. There are same-sex relationships, and we're calling it all, well, it's the same. We're living together. It's the same as marriage. We just don't have the paper. It's not the same. It's not the same. The covenant before God, when you make that commitment, is, is, a, is a blessed union before the Father. And it's different than when you just live together. Even if all, all things being equal, and you haven't made that commitment, that covenant, that, that marriage that happens, when you stand before witnesses, you stand before uh, a preacher, a pastor, somebody that's going to ordain that marriage before God, it's just not, it's not ever going to be the same until you do that. It's never going to be the same until you do that. And so I, I've, I've warned people like, hey, if you've been living together and you get married, uh, it, there's going to be some changes. You think it's going to be just the same Monday as it was before, and it's not. Because now you have covenant before God. And actually, now you have rights and privileges before God that you can access. But the enemy is going to try to break you apart. Before you were married, you were just living for the world. 
right? And Christians do this. Christians do this. Now you have a covenant where God can step into the middle of your marriage and really help you and bless you and draw you together and just bring union and covenant and just goodness into that relationship because you've done it right. The enemy's like, nope, 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 we can't have that. We're gonna try to, we're gonna try to divide. We're gonna try to separate. We're gonna try to break this apart. And people have reported back to us, man, it was fine before we got married. And then we officially got married. And it seems like he's totally different. What's the matter with her, right? That, that bliss is like, what happened? And it, it just boils down to now you have covenant with God and the enemy's against what you're doing. Before, you were just living for him. Okay, thank you, Jesus. So I'm not saying, man, if you get married, it's all gonna fall apart. No, if you get married and you do it the right way and you lean into God, the enemy can't gain access unless you, unless you let him. But when you live together before you get married, you're giving him access into that relationship. And unless you make a serious understanding commitment over that wedding weekend, then you're going to go back right back into the same habits on Monday and, you're, and the enemy's going to have access to you. Okay. This will answer some questions that maybe you've had with why that's gone awry and, and maybe not your relationship, but somebody else you know. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. We're supposed to have the same vision, not have division. Same purposes, goals, finances, schedules, living, how we live, how we move, how we worship, where we go. I mean, these are things we need to come into to agreement in a marriage relationship. If you want it to work, there are things that we need to find in a biblical standard that we can come into agreement with and go in the same direction. And I, I think people struggle when they get married and like, no, I want to do my thing and, and, and I want to do my thing and we'll just see how it works and we'll just try to to write it out together. And really, we're meant to come together and then work together toward common goals. And as, as husband and wife both pursue the Lord as their direction, they just automatically begin to come closer and closer together as the same point of contact. Like, put God first at the center of your marriage, and you will, just by default, you will come closer together. I'm not saying it's without work, but just by default, pursuing God, you'll, you'll begin to come closer together. The DNA of marriage automatically works. You don't have to make it work. God made it to work. When he created it and designed it, the DNA of marriage is set up to work. It just works. If we'll do it God's way, it's set up to work. Amen? That doesn't mean we just put it on autopilot, but we can't just say, man, if you don't do this, this, and this, and this, and this, it's just not. No, getting together, coming into union together on a covenant with God. It's designed to function right. If we'll just get into the flow with God and let him work in us and just keep pursuing him and coming together, it works, right? Thank you, Lord. Everybody okay? Mark chapter three, verse 25 says, if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. So as married couples, you have to guard and protect the unity of your marriage. You have to protect it. Okay, I'm going to say some hard things, and you need to listen to me. You have to guard and protect your, your relationships outside of your marriage, specifically with the opposite sex. You have, to have, you have to have guidelines and boundaries, and you have to set things up so you don't put yourself in a position to make mistakes. And they always start with little nuanced emotional feelings and steps where like, well... 
you know, I love my wife, but, but my coworker, my friend, she really meets a need in a specific area that my wife does not. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He's, he's trying to access something in you where you go a wrong direction. Amen? You've got you to guard and protect and keep these relationships to the unity of your marriage. And you have to be very specific and very careful. Texting, social media, your spouse should have access to your phone and what you're looking at at any given time. If your wife says, let me see your phone, you should not have to say, give me five minutes. That's a red flag, right? Unlock whatever you want, babe. Look it up. Check it all out. Amen? Amen. Gals, same thing. And this isn't, this isn't intrusion into your life. Your personal life ain't your personal life anymore when you're married. All things are shared and in common, including your phone and any other relationship you have. You've got to protect and guard the unity of your marriage. That means... Step on toes again. That means you don't talk about your spouse to your family in a negative light. Really, to anybody. Now, if you're asking for some help and some direction from somebody that's going to give you spiritual help and insight and wisdom into what to do, then you're going to have a confidant, maybe one or two max. There's a whole bunch of people sharing all their family business with everybody around them, and that ain't right. That is not protecting the unity of your marriage. Wives, you are to guard the sanctity and the unity of your marriage when it comes to your husband. You don't talk bad about him to other people, especially your mama and your daddy and your family. Are you listening to me? That is, not, that is not the direction we go. When you leave and cleave, you leave and you cleave to each other. It's important. I'm telling you, marriages have been wrecked because they've been tried to been run by mom and daddy. Because daughter never left. She married, she moved out, but then mom and daddy, they know all the stuff. And I mean all the stuff. And that ain't right. You got to leave mom and daddy back where mom and daddy's out, right? You, you don't live there anymore. That's not your house. They're not your authority anymore. You have come under submission to your husband. Amen? Husbands, your parents are not your authority anymore. When you are married and you're standing with your wife, and you're, you've made a covenant together, come on now, God is your head now. So you don't go complaining about your wife to your parents. Because as good as parents are, it is difficult to not side with your kid. Now, my mom is not like this. She will side with Cody 100% of the time. Mom, Cody wrecked the car. Well, what were you doing? I wasn't even in the car. I don't know about that, son. Golly. So you got to be real careful who you're talking to about your spouse. You got to protect the unity, right? I'm not talking about covering up and hiding sin. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are things your spouse will make mistakes and you don't have to go cry about that to mama. You need to fix that in-house. And if they won't, if they won't hear it, then there's a biblical way to step outside of that covenant to get some help from spiritual leaders that can help direct and guide. But it is most often than not should not be your parents. They should almost be oblivious to some of the stuff that's going on in your marriage. Just ignorantly happy about, oh, they're just doing so good. When you're like, are you hearing me? Protecting unity. Come on, I'm not, I'm not 
I am not a proponent of just bottling everything up and, and keeping it all in and not talking to anybody about anything. That is not what I'm saying. I'm saying who you talk to is important. You want your family to be on the side of your marriage and your marriage unity and your marriage covenant. Amen. Thank you, Lord. The, the togetherness, the oneness, that equals power and strength. When you come into unity and togetherness and you are, you're going after the same things in God, same, similar goals, similar direction of life, come on, with your kids and with your life and what you're doing, there's power and strength in that. It's so important that we do that because our prayers can be hindered when we're not. When we're not in unity, when we're in strife, when we're in division, when we're having a fight, when we're button heads, come on, and you're believing God for stuff, trust me, you are, you are off track. If you want to see God move in your life, you've got to fight for unity in your marriage. Okay. Find someone, come on, if you're looking for somebody, you're looking for a spouse, find someone with an equal commitment to the Lord and build a life in Christ. If you're in a marriage, come on, find common ground and seek the Lord and build a life in Christ. So important. You want wedded bliss? That's it. Serving the Lord. Serving the Lord. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Careful of phrases like, well, in my house growing up, <laughs> or my mama used to do this. Or my daddy, come on, we're putting expectations on our spouse that's unfair and unrealistic when you're talking about your parents. Because even you see your parents in an unrealistic light. Yay? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Here's the message to mom and dad. If you're, if you're parents of kids that are married, parents of, you have kids that are married, here's my message. This will help you. But out. Butt out, right? Just, just don't, even, don't, even, don't even get in there. Your two cents is not going to help anything. Love on your kids. If your daughter comes to you, right, and she's like, oh, he's treating me like this and he's treating me like that. If it's, if it's not a dangerous, immoral situation, right, this is just contention in the family, you need to send her packing back to her husband and work things out. Your, your son comes to you whining and complaining about something while she, her cooking isn't as good as yours and she doesn't keep a house. and eh, eh. You need to pack that little boy up and send him back to his house. Are you hearing me? Come on now. Now, there, there are exceptions to the rule in this. When there's, there's dangerous situations, I'm not saying butt out in those situations. We need to take care of our family. I understand that. But parents take that to the extreme. And now they're sitting down with their son-in-law telling them how he should you know, change the oil more frequently for their daughter. And, you know, if you... Turn over to First Peter 3. We're going to hit another touchy subject. So, you know, just in case you're not offended yet. In this, in this church, and we're going to say this over and over and over again, because if you can get... If you let yourself get to a place where you're offended, you cannot hear from God, you cannot hear, you cannot get direction, you cannot get wisdom, you cannot get outside of yourself... If you're offendable, come on, you will live in a state of offense in certain areas of your life, and you will not grow. You will actually decline. So at Westside, we declare and decree over ourselves, we are unoffendable. Because now we're open. Okay, God, what do you want to say? I am humble enough to realize I am not perfect. Fix me, right? And, and he will use people to help you with that. And they might not always be the person you want to help you.
But if you're unoffendable and open, he will use people to help you get what you need. Amen. Amen. Even the preacher. Thank you, Jesus. First Peter 3. First Peter 3. Are you there? Come on, this is, this, is, this is marriage God's way. Let's look at it. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. Even that word submissive just sounds like sometimes people say it with gravel in their mouth. They don't even want to say it. The word submit. I mean, just think about our human nature. You know, I'm going to submit to you. Oh, oh, it's hard to say. But the Bible uses it all the time. We submit to the Lord. We submit to God. Wives, submit to your husbands. That even if some don't know the Lord, they'll buy your good conduct. They'll see. Okay, keep reading. Thank you, Jesus. And then when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, they do not let them do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair and wearing of gold and putting on fine apparel. Come on, it's saying you doesn't say you can't do that. It just says don't let it, don't let yourself just be that. You look pretty on the outside, but on the inside you got nothing going on. Say, don't let it just be merely outward. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham and called him Lord, (laughs) whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Sarah obeyed and called her husband Lord. Yes, Lord, how can I help you? Little L, not big L, but Lord. Boy, oh boy, that's countercultural, isn't it? telling you, God did not make a mistake when he wrote this stuff down. There's something godly that happens when we do things God's way. Being submissive, ladies, to your husbands, it does not mean you're a doormat. It, it does not mean you're a doormat. He's just going to steamroll you. That is not what Jesus is asking us to do. He's asking the wives to understand the hierarchy of this structure, that it's Christ is the head of the church, so is the husband the head of the household. He's head of the wife. If we, if we try to operate outside of that, like nobody's ahead of me except Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. And when you tell me what to do, I'll show you submit with a frying pan. You come any closer. <laughs> and we're trying to run together. Without that structure, we get out of bounds, and then we're not receiving what God has for us in its fullness. Because I'm telling you, we're all going to stand before God and give an account for how we responded to scriptures just like this. And your spouse will not be there with you chiming in. It's going to be you and Jesus giving an account for how you obeyed him. And husbands will stand there and give an account for how they led their families. And if the answer is, well, I just let my wife do it because she's better at it than me. And, you know, she knew more scripture and she just understand, understood raising kids better. So I just, you know, I just let her do it. it it's not going to fly with Jesus. And ladies, come on now. Well, he's... He's not doing it, so I'm stepping up. I think there's a season where you have to do some stuff if your husband won't, won't do some things. But listen, there's benefit and blessing in this when we understand the structure of how God set up the family. Amen? There's more to the scripture. It keeps going. Thank you, Lord. Verse 7, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, with your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as, as to the weaker vessel. Now, it says that in here. I've said this before. You've got to hear this. Weaker vessel does not mean in any other way that you are inferior. It's not inferior vessel. It's just weaker vessel, meaning you can 
lift more than she can, right? Even if she, some of y'all can get that pickle jar open, no problem. But you know, sometimes you can't and you say, open this. Weaker vessel just means just physically, most cases, not all, come on, it's not 100%, most cases, the husband's just stronger. So you show honor to your wife in that area. Are you listening to me? Don't make this more than it is. We are, we are joint heirs together in Christ Jesus. We are, we are to pursue God with everything that's in us together, in union together. But you got to understand, wives, that your, your, your husband will give an account to God for how he led his family, not you. He will. So you got to make his job easier by not being so hard to get along with. And if he does make a decision, sometimes you won't feel like it's always the right one. And you can, you can give your two cents if it's asked. Sometimes you give it anyway, and that's okay. Sometimes it's okay. When we have an open thing, she needs to say something. She needs to say it to me. I don't always think to ask, but she, she has an open door to say, mm, I don't, I'm not sure we need to do it that way. I, I think we should go this direction, but maybe a different way. I, listen, I've learned. I didn't early on, and it did not pay off. <laughs> and I don't mean just because of her. I mean because of what I was trying to do. She had some insight that would have helped us not make some mistakes. And I didn't know. I was new at this. You learn to listen to your wife. She's got some good stuff. Same thing, ladies. Learn to listen to your husband. He's got stuff he sees you don't. If we work together, it's way, 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 way better. Okay. Giving honor to your wife as to the weaker vessel, as being, heir, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers will not be hindered. If you don't want your prayers hindered, do it God's way. Wives, understand that you're, as God sees you, you are to be submitted under your husband's authority as headship. If you give your husband that place, the spiritual direction and authority that he has over, the, over your household will just be complete. It's like when we're doing it God's way and the husband's leading the family and, he, and he's doing it God's way, there's a spiritual protection that comes over the family when we do it God's way. Direction, help, insight, it just works. Again, that's not a doormat situation. That's just a, I, I am submitted to the husband that God gave me to follow him and to, as he follows Jesus. Now, outside of that, come on, there's guys that aren't following Jesus at all. And the Bible still says, did you read it, the first scripture? Even if they're not believers, wives submit yourselves to your own husbands. So even if some don't obey the word, they will without a word be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Super quiet, super quiet. Amen. There's a balance in here where we, we can obey the Lord and follow Scripture without abdicating our responsibilities. Amen? I, I've, you've seen it, I've seen it, we've all seen these relationships where the husband's just, for lack of a better term, a lazy bum. And just he just, he just won't do anything. Won't cut the grass, won't go to work, loves his video games, Whatever. You can't just let the whole house fall apart, ladies. I mean, come on. I understand, I understand the plight that you're in. But that's when we step in and we pray, God, come on now. We're in covenant. I'm in covenant. Help me be the wife you need me to be for this man so that he can be and step into a godly place. Are you hearing me? And just trust it's a season. Okay. Come on now. You got you to gotta be led by God too. You don't let your house go to pot and your kids go off the rails because your husband won't do anything about it. You, you still step in, you be a godly woman. 
But, but it's still, the scripture still says there's a submission to authority in this relationship that God can honor and work with if you'll do it right. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Husbands, come on now. We can do a better job of giving honor to our wives. Again, back to the doormat. They are not your doormat. They are not your slave. They are not your servant. This is a joint heir with Christ, working with you to accomplish what God has called you both to do. And a big part of what you're doing is raising kids, and a big part of what you're doing is being involved in church and helping the body of Christ. It's a big part of what we do. And we've got to honor this relationship because your wives, fellas, will get, they'll, they'll get really good stuff from the Lord. The Holy Spirit will show them things, give them ideas and insight and wisdom that he will not give you because it's through her to you. That's it. So we've got to honor this position. We've got to come to them and ask for their input and their, and their prayers and their understanding. We've got to come to them and say, hey, we're, we're doing this together. What do you think about this? Amen? She, she should be your backstop. She should be your help. She should be your Holy Spirit point too. Like just, you know, you're listening to the Lord and then you're listening to your wife. Amen? Amen? Yeah. It'll help you. It'll save you a lot of headache. Thank you, Jesus. There have been things that Cody and I, things that I wanted to do, and Cody's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, what are you doing? Well, I think we should do this. Well, we need to just talk about this. I said, okay. And she didn't feel good about it, so I waited. In some cases, years. And then eventually she, she got to the place like, okay, I'm good with that now. And some of that was just personality, uh, you know, like risk averse or not, like wanted to take risks or don't. I want to take risks, she doesn't. We're coming to an agreement on that. But I've, I've just decided I'm not going to press through and push through unless she's on board with me. I'm not going to do it anymore. I've done it before. It turned out terrible, <laughs> right? And, and it could have been like if we could have gotten on the same page, but we weren't. I pressed in. I bullnosed through. I, you know, I just did it. This is right. We're going to do it. It didn't turn out good. But doing something very similar down the road when we're both doing it together in the same mind and the same, it worked. It worked because we were together. Protect the unity of your marriage. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> page four. Still a whole page away from sex. So just ready to be okay. Page, uh, verse eight. Let's, let's wrap this up in verse eight. Finally, to all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you are called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. For he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He is still talking to husbands and wives right now. He did not change subjects. Wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives and care for them. He goes right into love each other with compassion, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling. Come on, that's you yelling in the front yard, right? Right? Are you hearing me? Where all the neighbors can hear. Oh yeah, whatever. He who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. This is still marriage. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. If you want your prayers to be heard and you want to have peace in your household, you've got to seek it and pursue it. You cannot run your mouth every time you want to run your mouth. You cannot just be that snippy, sassy, little chirpy 
part of this marriage. Come on now, that little bicker, Bickersons, come on, that cannot be your house. You got to get over it. You got to just stop saying the things. And if you're the only one in the marriage that stops saying the things, say, saying the things, stop saying the things, you be the one. Set the tone. I, I know this is hard. I know. But we, we can't just say everything we think and just get our little, get our little stuff. We can't do it. You're not going to have peace. You're not going to see good days. It's, you're, you're yielding to evil. And God, is, his face is against those who do evil. Yeah. Amen. So ladies, you got to tell your husbands you're proud of them. You got to tell them that they're good providers. You got to tell them that they're good fathers. You got to speak into their lives. You got to build them up. Guys need to hear this from their wives, Amen. right? And I don't mean you're biting your tongue so hard it's bleeding while you're saying it. I mean finding genuineness in the compliment where they can sense that you really mean what you say. And if you will spend some time looking for the good in your husband, come on, some of you can find it right now. Some of you got to look a little harder. But if you will spend some time, you will find good things and you need to speak them into his life. He will thrive if you will do that. His chest will stick out a little farther. He'll stand a little straighter. Come on now, he'll lead a little better. You got to be able to say these things. Amen. Gals, it's important that you say these things, right? Even, even if you struggle with the genuineness of that, you have to find a place of genuineness in your, in your appreciation and your lifting up and your building up of your man. Come on now. You can find something. You can find something. Make a list and work your way through it. Mondays is, man, I'm glad for my husband that can fix the car days or whatever. You make a list and you figure it out and you say it with genuineness and you watch him begin to thrive. And if you haven't done this in a while, he's probably going to be like, something stinks in Denmark. What, what's going on here? What do you want? What did you break? You're going to have to get through that if you haven't done this in a while. You're going to have to get through those hurdles so she begins to understand you mean business. Amen? Husbands, you got to care for your wife. Tell her she's beautiful. Tell her she's the only one for you. Are you hearing me? She needs to hear that you care for her. You adore her. You genuinely love her. She needs to hear these words. She needs to see it in your actions and how you treat her. Amen? Tell her she's a good mother, a good helper, a good partner. Have you guys seen this video with this kid? I know I'm out of time, but have you seen this video of this teenager, right? Gro grown teenager. He's sitting, he's videoing himself. He's at the kitchen table or island. He's talking to his mom in the kitchen and you can see him and his dad sitting in the recliner behind him. Have you, you, you guys know where I'm going, anybody? His dad's, dad's he's a big boy. He's, he's, he's tough. He's sitting in the recliner. He's resting from a hard day. His son... Dad's son is sitting here videoing himself and dad, and, his, and he set this up with his mom. This is a setup. And his mom says, hey, why don't you get in here and help me with the dishes? And he goes, shut up, mom. And dad just went rock back in the chair, and boom, he's on his feet, and he's beelining. And he's like, it's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. And you can hear mom going, it's honey, it's a joke, it's a joke. I mean, dad is, he's on his way, and this kid's going to lose an ear or a head, or so, something's coming off. It's a joke, it's a joke, it's a joke. Husbands, you should be like this for your wives. If she gets some sass from one of your kids or anybody else, you're up and moving. Because ain't nobody talking to my wife like that at all, ever. Are you hearing me? I'm not talking about getting in a fight 
out, out and about. I'm talking about specifically with your kids. They do not sass mama. You're up, you're moving. You got me? That will show care and concern for your spouse, for your wife. Amen. Then this is how we're supposed to be. I mean, it wasn't very many decades ago. This is how it was everywhere. You did not disrespect somebody else's wife and you did not talk back to mama because you might lose something. I mean, from somewhere you didn't see coming, right? You wake up in the hospital. Okay. That's how it used to be. I'm not advocating for that, but I'm saying you need to be in your kid's face like right now, nose to nose, if I ever hear you talk like that again. We're going to have to call somebody to get me out of jail. Do you hear me? Whatever you got to say, whatever you got to say, whatever you got to say. It's important that we care for each other. And this is biblical marriage. Amen? Care for each other. Your marriage relationship is more important than your relationship with your kids. Your kids are secondary in this thing. They're secondary. Not second-class citizens. They're secondary. We have priorities, right? God first, marriage second, kids third. If you do that, you will show your kids what a good marriage is. And as they grow, even though they may not appreciate not being the center of your world all the time, they will grow into well-developed human beings who can have good relationships and a good marriage themselves and then train their kids to understand mom and daddy come first. And we will help you and we will make sure you are fed and cared for, but you don't get in between us. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us and remember, Jesus is coming soon.